Freedom Hut. The great RBG seat war of 2020 is upon us. Could Democrats impeach Trump again? NYC, Portland, and Seattle declared anarchy zones and a grave injustice in Omaha. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America, you're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. An honor and a privilege to have you here with me. Thank you so much for for joining. I'm so pleased that I get this opportunity to tell you all to get ready for it. Oh, my. Things are going to get even more out of control than I anticipated. And I've been thinking all along that this is going to get so ugly. This is going to get so intense that it's hard to wrap your head around it in advance. Like you're going to have to experience what this last stretch of, of 2020 before the election feels like to really know, because Democrats, they're already so insane about this. They already act like the world's going to end if Trump wins. And now on top of it, we have the momentous report of Ruth Bader Ginsburg over the weekend. It just came in on, on Friday evening uh, that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the biggest name in liberal jurisprudence, had passed away due to complications from cancer. So now you've got let, let, let's just review for a moment. You have COVID-19, you have a pandemic, and now it looks like Europe is terrified. They're going to have a whole second wave, which means America is going to be terrified. Oh, I thought if we just wore masks, we'd be OK. Right. I mean, this is what people say. But anyway, uh, we have we have the COVID pandemic going on. We have months of riots and BLM and racial tension. We have an economy that's trying to recover, but is clearly under a lot of pressure because of all these other factors. You've got an election coming up here where the incumbent president is the most hated Republican of my lifetime by the libs, obviously, by the left. And you're going to throw not just a Supreme Court seat into the mix, We've got the single most beloved left wing liberal on the Supreme Court, perhaps in history, one one for whom there has been a longstanding cult. There's a veneration of RBG that goes far beyond just what you'd expect for a Supreme Court justice. The libs absolutely love Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And now that seat is open. So you really couldn't have more tension in this political moment than you currently do. I I don't know how it could honestly come close to this. This is this is unprecedented. I mean, you, you couldn't write the script for this. And as I described it over the weekend on Twitter, it feels as though there's going to be a level of crazy here achieved that is Beyond our conception for what is possible. I I mean, the Democrats will do things that will even still surprise you, despite the fact that we all recognize that they're willing to do almost anything if it will help their chances to defeat Donald Trump. They're willing to run a special counsel based on fabrications and lies. They're willing to do an impeachment that 
no one even really remembers what it was about and no one even knew in the first place what it was. It was really just the orange man bad impeachment process. And yet I, I think that they're going to surprise us now. Uh, they're going to come up with a, a new level of crazy. As I described it on Twitter, it's as though we're going to be injecting methamphetamine into a rabid squirrel. Uh, what does that even look like? I, I don't know. I don't know. We're going to find out. This is going to be a whole other level. We will not have seen, I think, anything like this in modern American politics. And right now is the calm before the storm, although we are in the in the heat of the election cycle on replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg on on filling the seat. It's not her seat. We need to be careful about how we discuss this. No Supreme Court justice owns or has some special claim to the seat that he or she once held. This seat belongs to the people of the United States. And it is the duty of the United States Senate to confirm a nominee put forward by the president of the United States. We know what the constitutional order demands here. And you're going to hear so many lies about this. And you already are. You're going to hear just sheer desperation from these lips, from these Democrats. Anything to stop this seat from being filled. We already know two Republican senators, one from Maine, one from Alaska, Murkowski and Collins or Collins and Murkowski, respectively, are basically saying that they are out, that they, they will have no no part of this. Um, which is appalling, but not surprising. Yeah, these are people who are careerists and they're going to do what they think they have to to get reelected, although. Not going forward with the Kavanaugh nomination cost a number of senators, and it was it was a good thing in a sense that it did. I know I wish we had more Republicans, but they weren't real Republicans. It cost a number of Republicans their seats, the vote. Uh, I'm sorry, it cost a number of Democrats, rather, their seats against uh, Kavanaugh by voting against Kavanaugh. You know, there were, there were Democrats who learned that lesson the hard way. And that's I think it's a good thing. I'm, I'm glad to see that that's how it occurred. But now... I mean, the stuff that they're saying, it's just pathetic. We'll, we'll go through this because remember Kavanaugh? Don't ever forget that. Don't forget what they did. Don't forget that they were willing to lie about a man in front of his wife and children and millions and millions of Americans in the United States Congress to just smear him with the, the most disgusting obvious lies it was the most politically grotesque thing i've ever witnessed in the united states senate and they're not ashamed of it at all now there's been no apology they've they didn't say we're sorry about the excesses of our efforts to destroy kavanaugh their only problem with what happened in the kavanaugh era the only thing about the kavanaugh situation the democrats regret is that it was unsuccessful they would redo it and they would try to go even more disgusting and in the gutter to take him down because they've been given these victories. Uh, and it's part of the, the left wing approach to jurisprudence is that people who are judges, it's just the will to power, right? It's the mob mentality. I want this thing. Therefore, how do I get this thing? It doesn't matter if it violates sacred laws, natural law, principle. It doesn't matter. I want it. So I'm going to get it. I'm going to find a way to do it. That's what Democrats do. That's how they think. And that was what they were thinking with Kavanaugh. We don't want this guy 
to get in the way of our super legislature, that is the Supreme Court, that hands them things that they would they would not be able to get through legislation. And then they have the entire media and academic apparatus to claim that, oh, this is now settled law. Well, yeah, all all Supreme Court decisions are settled until they're not right. All, All Supreme Court decisions are settled until they're overturned again. But those commonalities, those areas of agreement uh, around the most fundamental issues of jurisprudence and rule of law, uh, they're evaporating with every passing day. Democrats want what they want, and they want it as soon as they can get it. And nothing else can be allowed to intrude on that. Their will to power, their lust for control of you, and to be able to enforce themselves, inflict their will upon you, outranks all these other considerations that we may have for our institutions or the rule of law or the Constitution. And we're going to see that now in a way that is hard for me to describe to you. I don't know where there is. I don't think it's possible to go lower than they did on Kavanaugh and to be more debased and and honestly evil, but they're going to if they can. They're going to. But before I get to what I expect in the, in the tactics and what they're going to do during a hearing, and let me also just say, I don't think there should be a hearing. Vote. These hearings are a joke. It's just partisan grandstanding, and people know what they're going to say. They should just vote. Do it. Get it done. They absolutely have no choice here. The Senate Republicans, if they think that they're not going to implode the Republican Party by delaying this until after the election, they're out of their minds. Although I do think Cocaine Mitch knows what the stakes are here. And on judges, Mitch McConnell, say what you will about him being a crony capitalist friend and weak on immigration. There's a lot of stuff you could say. Mitch McConnell on judges, this guy's been a machine, a lean, mean confirmation machine. And he's saying this is going to happen. And he said Kavanaugh was going to happen and he kept his word. Now, there are some other concerns we have here. You know, other uh, weaker members of, of the herd, so to speak, among the Republicans. I mean, I think Mitt Romney is likely to make Benedict Arnold look like a team player when all is said and done here, unfortunately. But you can lose Murkowski, Collins, Romney and still win. Right? You could have a 50-50 tie broken by the vice president. You can still do that. That'll work. But. They're going to come up with ways to pressure Republicans that are so underhanded and so vile that I I worry about this. That's why I I think the delay process is uh, the delay of this process is a mistake. I would have named the person today and I uh, I would have said, let's hold the vote within 72 hours. I mean, let's go. Let's get it done right now. Right now, you want to talk about energizing the base? Get it done. Promises made, promises kept. Now, the president's saying he's going to do it Friday or Saturday. And maybe that's the maybe he's seeing things I'm not. Maybe that's the right move. I'm just telling you, I think it should have been done right away. We don't have to go through some some mourning period. It's not it's not the Ruth Bader Ginsburg seat. She was and rest in peace. And we don't you know, I, I, we, we are civil here and uh There's nothing to be said about Ruth Bader Ginsburg right now other than she led a remarkable life and their thoughts and prayers are with her family. But it's not her seat. We're not in some national period of of mourning where we're not allowed to do any government business. That's not reality. We should fill this seat 
as soon as possible with the most conservative, qualified constitutionalist we possibly can. And I do believe that's Amy Coney Barrett. I think that's the move. It has to get done. And this is really a test of will now. This is a test of whether the Republican Party is serious at its core about its ultimate promises to the base, to its voters, and to the American people. This must get done. No retreat, no surrender, right? I mean, if you want to go Cobra Kai, this is strike first, strike hard, no mercy. That's the situation we're in here. Get this done, Republicans. Get it done. There is no other way. There's no other conversation. We need a conservative constitutionalist on the court. It is owed to the American people. It is owed to those who have been voting for Republicans for decades. Get it done. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Tonight, Mitch McConnell publicly, the night of her passing, he couldn't wait 24 hours, issued a statement saying that he was going to uh, give Trump a vote in violation of, of her dying wish. People can say how appalling, people could say this is horrible, etc. but we know who this man is. We know who this man is. This is a man who does not care about a dying woman's final wish. Clearly, if Mitch McConnell is not going to honor RBG's final wish, we will. And we have to. Uh, break out the world's smallest violin here for AOC. Her dying wish. It's like a wish that's made. And it's so No, no, that's not in the Constitution. We give zero bleeps, zero bleeps given about a, a, any, anyone's dying wish about a Supreme Court seat. Do not care. There are 330 million people in this country. I could not give a crap less about what RBG's last wish is. Okay, as I said, respect to her and her family and their period of mourning. But this is about America and politics now. I don't care. And let's not even pretend. But notice just how pathetic and whiny this is. Oh, it's her last wish. We don't care. What is it like a joke? You think that's going to stop anybody from moving forward with their constitutional duty? Uh, un- unbelievable. But the Democrats haven't yet figured out what their approach is going to be. And this is uh, you're seeing in real time the truth of who the Democrats are, because they can't decide if their appeal is going to be, oh, the the uh, the precedent here, the principle should be that you don't fill this seat because out of respect for our institutions or. You know, so respect for norms, that's one way to go. The other side of it would be to say, uh, which is what they're doing, that they're going to completely tear down these norms, that they're going to destroy institutions if they don't get their way. So, so you've got, uh, you know, some very loud voice of the Democrat Party saying, but what about our sacred democracy? And at the same time, you have other Democrats who are saying, Dest- we'll destroy our sacred democracy if we don't get what we want. So they're not sure yet. You know, are they are they appealing to norms or are they threatening those norms? Well, the truth is they're doing both. 
which is what we should all understand is actually actually going on here. Look, this is not complicated. I mean, they're going to make it complicated as much as they can, and they're going to try to muddy the waters, and they're going to scream and cry, and, you know, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. You're going to see stuff like you've never seen before coming out of the Democrats' mouths, and that's saying a lot. But at the end of the day, Republicans can, should, and must fill that Supreme Court vacancy. There is no rule. There is no law. There is nothing that prevents them. And in fact, it is their duty to do so. But I think Democrats are even going to go full Alinsky on this. I, I believe that they will pull the equivalent of pulling the fire alarm in Congress. I mean, I, I think that they're going to try to block access. I think that there will be bomb threats against the Capitol from lunatics out there. That's what I think is going to happen. I think that they will go to any length, to any extent, to stop this from occurring before the election and hope that they just wear us down. I mean, that's really my... I think there are going to be threats of violence. I think there will be violence over this. Democrats have made this far, far too uh, important to their sense of their personal identity as well as the future of this country without a clear... Uh, control of the Supreme Court, which, look, the way it worked in the past was we pretended there was a swing vote. It's like pretending journalists are neutral. It's just a lie. The swing vote always went with the libs on big social issues on major cases. Kennedy, the swing vote. That was what happened. And now you have even Kavanaugh, who's, you know, kind of a centrist. You got Roberts, who is effectively on some of the biggest issues, a, a Democrat appointee might as well be. And then we return to this whole thing, but the court is not political. That's a lie, obviously, which is why Democrats are constantly crying themselves to sleep about who's on the court. But this is going to get completely insane. I mean, right, right now they're just trying to figure out what schemes and ploys they'll use. But my friends, you will never have seen anarchy over the court that's the way that you're going to see it in, in the next few weeks. Uh, this is going to be a spectacle that a country going through a pandemic and roiled with rioting for months. I don't know how well we're going to be able to handle this. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the first reason we're here is for unity, and the second is to honor her legacy, to demand that her last wish be fulfilled by the Senate. She said, my most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced by a new, until a new president is installed. We believe that. So did the American people. Today, a Reuters poll came out and said 62% of Americans agree with her. So that means, that's such a high number, it has to mean that Democrats, Republicans, and Independents all agree that it is only right and it is only fair for us to abide by RBG's last wish, that she be replaced when a new president is installed. Who cares? I mean, I know Democrats want to play this game of, oh, but we saw a poll and this is her last wish. And we, we, I, I, we care not at all about her last wish. Zero. There, there's not even a little tiny part of me that's like, well, it was her last wish. But they're going to keep saying this. They're going to throw everything they've got at the wall and see what sticks here. That's for sure. Uh, Senator McCaskill, she's uh, she's out there saying stuff like this. Play two. 
I am so sad about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. When I called my daughter who's in her 20s to tell her she sobbed on the phone, my heart was breaking for her because she it struck her so at her core. So, yes, I am sad about Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death. But the other thing I'm sad about over the weekend, Joe, is the death of the United States Senate. That's going to be the book that's written about Mitch McConnell. He's killed the Senate. With this power over principle, as John Meacham said, not only mm. uh, is Donald Trump killing the institutions that lift this country up and make us strong, Mitch McConnell is killing the United States Senate with what he's doing. She is killing her exaggerations and metaphors here, but uh, what is the principle? I mean, John Meacham's an annoying, smug little lib who just does their does their bidding over at MSNBC. So I refuse to read anymore. I read his Hamilton book. I refuse to read anything else. Uh, what is what is the principle here? Let's actually let's play the game for a second. Okay, Libs, what's the principle? The the McConnell rule. The McConnell rule is that when the Senate is in the opposition party's hands from the presidency, you wait an election year. But also. That's just one guy's opinion, man. Doesn't really matter. Not binding. That's just politics anyway. So who cares what the McConnell rule is? And this still stays within the McConnell rule. So what is the principle? If you look at history, which the libs are hoping you don't, you'll see there have been plenty. Tons of Supreme Court vacancies in an election year that were filled. Happens regularly. Obama tried to fill one with Merrick Garland and, you know, Democrats lost that round. Sorry, they didn't have the Senate. This is the system of checks and balances we have. That is the principle. What other principle is there? They just keep making this up. What's the principle? Why should we not have Trump appoint someone? And we'll get into who and and what I think about all that momentarily. But, you know, what what is the reason for this not to happen? They don't have a good answer here. They, they don't seem able to even come up with it. They just keep changing what the different answers could be. And I'm also going to say this. Uh, a 20-year-old adult or, you know, someone in their 20s who starts sobbing over the death of a Supreme Court justice is emotionally unstable and probably needs some help. That's weird. That's weird. This should not be so important to anyone. These are these are lawyers who are performing a judicial function. All right. This is not this is not your beloved golden retriever. This is not a family member who means the world to you. This is a Supreme Court justice. That's weird. It's a strange thing to do, but it's a window also into the mentality here. Honestly, it's a window into the widespread mental illness of liberalism today that makes them think things like this. That they should cry, they should scream, they should be nutso over a Supreme Court justice passing away and the prospect that somebody who's not going to just give them what they want is, uh, you know, too much for them to bear. This is this is just these are people who are not well, folks. I don't, I don't know how else to say it other than just to come out and speak the truth on it. They are they are not well. I mean, here's a, uh, a woman. This was going viral over the weekend. Some lib. Here's what she said. Play six. Holy you guys. I'm driving your car, but I just got a notification that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. 
Could this year get any worse? Ruth, you just had to make it to 2021. That's pretty much the Democrats' argument in favor of keeping this uh, seat open until after the election. I also want to be very clear. Do you think they're going to stop their shenanigans? Let's say Trump wins. And, and they didn't actually install a Supreme Court justice uh, before the election. Do you think then they'd say, OK, Trump gets his pick now? No, of course not. They'd pull out the Kavanaugh playbook. They pull out all the stops. Oh, we need to keep the balance of the court. Understand this. When they say keep the balance of the court, they're admitting that it is an explicitly political organism in their minds. They just want it to be political in a certain way, because if it were not political, then there'd be no need for balance. You would just need constitutionalists, jurists, people that can perform the duties of a Supreme Court justice. It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. But we know that the whole confirmation process and what they did to Bork and others isn't about qualifications. It's about politics. So they're lying to you about all this. They're going to continue to lie to you about this the whole time. That's their approach to it. They're just going to find ways to dress it up with terms like principle. But really, they're playing their own raw power game. Thank heavens they're just not in a position to ram through whatever they want with the system as we have it. But let's also understand this right now. They've already talked about. On the one hand, they say respect the system. Keep it how it keep it how it is. Don't do anything like this. And meanwhile, this is what the system says. Fill it. History, the system, there, there is no argument against filling this seat that isn't political. There is no argument against filling a seat that isn't political. Okay, it doesn't exist. So everything else they say to you is smoke and mirrors. But beyond that, they're also claiming that there should be some procedural objection to filling the seat while also saying, oh, the norms that we want you to protect now, if you, if you don't do what we say, we will destroy those norms here is the, dumb, the dumbest United States Senator, Maisie Hirono, letting everyone know that, yeah, we're, we're going to pack the court if you do this. Play 15. Are you in favor of trying to expand the, the numbers of justices on the Supreme Court? Because it's, it's actually not in the Constitution, the number. So we can change that number. As I say, all of those matters will be on the table when the Democrats take back the Senate. None of those matters will be on the table if we do not take back the Senate. So that is why, even as we are fighting tooth and nail to prevent Mitch McConnell from getting his way, because his entire goal has been to pack the courts for, with lifetime appointments for young, usually white male judges and justices for life. So everything's on the table, including court packing. Okay. But I thought we were supposed to respect norms. This is how Democrats always play politics. It's it's heads. They win tails. You lose. There's no way to make them happy. That doesn't involve doing what they want. No way. And that's why we should completely and utterly ignore them. That's why Senator Ted Cruz here is correct when he says, guess what? We need to do this. And for reasons of, of the functioning and, t- and integrity of the system and of the court, we need to do this. We need to fill the darn seat. Play three. 
20 years ago, I was part of the legal team that litigated Bush versus Gore for George W. Bush. I was a young lawyer then. In fact, I just wrote a book that's coming out in a couple of weeks called One Vote Away, How a Single Supreme Court Seat Can Change History. And one of the chapters there talks about Bush versus Gore. It talks about the epic battle where Al Gore challenged the election results. And for 36 days, the country was held in chaos. Well, if Joe Biden does that again this year and we have an 8-8 court, an equally divided court 4-4 can't decide anything, that could make this presidential election drag on weeks and months and well into next year. That is an intolerable situation for the country. We need a full court on election day, given the very high likelihood that we're going to see litigation that goes to the court. We need a Supreme Court that can, that can give a definitive answer for the country. Is there a good response to that, Democrats, that you want to offer up? Senator Cruz is absolutely correct. A 4-4, could you imagine what the country would be like if there was some uh, issue of you know, vote counting or mail, mail-in ballot delays or all these things, which Democrats are trying to make the process as messed up as possible so that they either win or they claim the process was messed up. That's their game. That's what they're doing. But imagine what the country is like if by 4-4 decision we are left with, well, we don't know who technically won this election anymore. We have no we have no higher authority. What are we going to do? Do a redo? A do over? Think about what that would do to America and the people that are talking about our sacred democracy and protecting us and, and our norms, and our institutions and all this stuff. That's all just lip service. That's all lies. They don't care about any of that. Who will have power? They use the Supreme Court as a super legislature, and they have for decades. And for the first time now, they face the possibility that that may no longer be the case. They may not have someone there to pretend that there's a right to privacy that mandates abortion in all 50 states and then creates additional special rights on top of that, like in Planned Parenthood v. Casey. They may not have a Supreme Court that decides that a tax is a penalty and a penalty is a tax, depending on what you want to say and when you want to say it so that you can pretend something is constitutional like Obamacare when it's not allowing the regulation of inactivity. They, they may not have, I mean, just go down the list. They may not have that last layer of protection for their whims and and their demands and they can't psychologically process that which is why they do have people that are having these meltdowns but they have these lib women who are completely freaking out why are they freaking out so much well because they've always felt like at the end of the day especially on women's issues social issues affirmative action affirmative action's gone if you get another conservative on the court it's racist it's wrong. It's immoral. It's a violation of the Equal Protection Clause. It's not really very complicated. They can do a whole, oh, but what about this? No, no, it's a violation. It is. And even Sandra Day O'Connor, in a, uh, in a Supreme Court case that unfortunately upheld by 5-4, upheld affirmative action, said, you know, maybe in 15 or 20 years we won't have to do this anymore. Oh, so a, so a you know, time-sensitive law. So it's, it's unequal protection now, but maybe one day we'll... Anyway, there's so many of these areas. And then Democrats will have to wake up with the recognition that they've got to make arguments now about these things. They don't just have the super legislature to, by a 5-4 margin usually, tell them, no, that is the law now. Okay, well, that's not going to happen anymore. 
and they can't process it. They don't know what to do, what to say, other than just to panic, to lie, to cheat, to steal, to threaten. It's going to get so ugly, friends. I, I, I can't even really war game out for you how insane they're going to be because I don't think that a, a person who loves this country, respects the law, and has any morality or decency could foresee what the Democrats are plotting on this whole thing. That's, that's how much this matters to them. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Oh, and then there's this other pretense the Democrats are going to say to try to keep themselves uh, from from being too sad late at night that it's only because the big, bad, mean Republicans play so rough and the Democrats are the nice, good people. Here's the the worst legal analyst on TV, the most consistently wrong, the most hyper partisan and, and least insightful CNN's Jeffrey Tubin. Here he is saying the real problem is that the big, bad GOP bullies aren't having to deal with tough enough Democrats. Play one. You know, Democrats are great about talking big, but uh, we'll see if he has the if 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 he and the other Democrats have the guts to do anything, if they retake control of the Senate, will they really add the two seats? Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? I mean, if they if they're in control, why wouldn't they? Because they're weak and they're wimps and they're afraid. And I I think, you know, the Democrats, you know, we we think about Bush v. Gore and, you know, which David which David argued, you know, in 2016, Al Gore said no street protests. You know, this is just a legal process. While David saw in Tallahassee and in Washington, the, the, the Republican forces massing against them, you know, literally on the streets. I mean, there is a difference to how Democrats and Republicans go out, go about these fights. And we'll see if Democrats learn anything from Republicans here. I mean, yes, it's interesting that, that Chuck Schumer has said nothing is off the table, but that's not a commitment to do anything. I mean, Tubin is insane. There's a difference in how Republicans and Democrats do things. You think Democrats are the we play fair, nice people? They've been rioting for months, you moron. What are you talking about? They've been burning down people's businesses. They've been destroying people's livelihoods. They've been attacking senior citizens in mobs in the street over justice. But the but Democrats play nice. That's their problem. It's tough to know if they're gaslighting or just insane. It's tough to know which it is. It's, it's not easy to figure that out because it's just the, the complete opposite of reality. Democrats didn't accept the 2016 election, didn't accept the 2000 election. They're the ones that say, sorry, not, not going to abide by the rules. They, they talk about precedent. They don't understand. There is no precedent. There is nothing. There's no rule, there's no principle that prevents filling the Supreme Court seat. It doesn't exist, no matter what they tell you. It's not there. What is it? The McConnell rule? That's Who gives a crap? And the McConnell rule says you can fill it. So it's not even true. But then they go around and talk about how they should fill the Supreme Court with additional, when they have the chance, if they take back the Senate, with more seats. That is norm. But how, how many centuries has it been nine judges, folks? That is norm busting. Are they really are they that stupid? They don't know the difference. No, they they know the difference. But they're like a child that wants a toy and their toy is a Supreme Court and they want it. And anyone who tells them no, 
they're just going to scream and shriek red faced and, you know, spittle and rage and pounding the ground. That's their great legal argument for the Supreme Court right now. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. What are the Democrats going to do to try to stop this seat from being filled? There's no principled argument. There's no legal argument. But they're going to come up with something. And they will do anything. So now we just have to figure out, well, what would, what would that look like? What are some of the ways in which, and, and I mean, you know, encouraging Democrats to form human chains around the Capitol building. I, I, they're going to do stuff like that. Just, just saying riot, don't allow the Senate to, to be in session, do, do, whatever, do whatever you have to do. That's what I think they're going to do. They're not going to make some grand constitutional argument. There is, no argu- there is no grand constitutional argument. There's nothing for them to say here. There's nothing for them. There's no argument to be made. They lost. Elections have consequences. Obama was at least right about that. They lost. Too bad. Deal with it, Libs. Deal with it. But they're already raising the specter of, uh, this is remarkable. They're already bringing up the possibility of a second impeachment proceeding of the president. They are thinking that they may try a rushed impeachment in the House as a procedural block against the president being able to appoint and then the Senate being able to confirm a Supreme Court nominee. I mean, this is just sabotage. That's all that is right now. This is saying, well, if you're not going to shut down your factory when when we say so, we're just going to, you know, throw a wrench into the gears. That's what they're really talking about at this point. Uh, you want to talk about norm busting. I mean, Nancy Pelosi is just kind of saying, yeah, nice constitutional system you got there. Be a shame if something happened to it. Play nine. Some have mentioned the possibility if they try to push through a nominee in a lame duck session that, that you and this, the House could move to impeach President, President Trump or Attorney General Barr as a way of stalling and preventing the Senate from acting on this nomination. Well, we have our options. We have arrows in our quiver that I'm not about to discuss right now. Mm. We have options. We have arrows in our quiver. They're already talking about impeachment out there. She didn't shut that down. That would be one way to go. Although their last impeachment was such a farce, you'd think, would they really risk whatever remnants of seriousness they have left based upon that? Uh, the answer is yes, they, they will. They, they are willing to do that. They are, they are willing to be that absurd, that insane. They're crazy, folks. Absolutely crazy. Jim Jordan's not having any of it. He's like, this is complete nonsense. Play seven. I don't think the American people like to be threatened. I mean, Jerry Nadler said, if you move forward with this with this nomination uh, and, and the Senate is won by the Democrats in the election, that they're going to pack the court. They're going to add six new seats to the court and take it from nine to 15. Uh, Pelosi says today she's going to go with impeachment if they move forward. I don't think the American people like being threatened. I think they like the president of the United States following the law and putting someone on that court who's going to respect the Constitution. There is no legal objection to this, meaning that there's there's nothing in statute. There's nothing. This is clear as day. The president has the power. The Senate has the votes. That's it, folks. That's our system. There's nothing else. 
They can try to blame a blah, 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 talk about something. Does it. It's all a distraction. It doesn't mean anything. But they're not going to give up on this because it's so critical to them to maintain what they view as the, the essential bulwark of their, their statism, of their uh, left-wing dominance of jurisprudence by having a Supreme Court that they know nine times out of ten on the big things is going to go their way. They can't live in a country where that, in their minds, where that's not happening. That's really what they think. That's really their, their belief on all of this. So then we get into who should it be? Who should it be? Um, I've got to tell you, I think that, and I, I told the president this when I met with him back in, uh, in May in the Oval Office. I, he asked me this, and this I will share with you. This wasn't off the record. Um, I, 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 he, I said, look, it should be Amy Coney Barrett. She's completely, completely uh, has the credentials, has the background. She's a mother of, I think, I don't even know how many kids, like about a half dozen or so. She's adopted a couple of children. She's a devout Catholic and and she's a woman. So I'm hoping I'm hoping, although I I can't guarantee because who knows how desperate the Democrats are going to get. I'm hoping they don't run the exact same playbook uh, where they claim that Amy Coney Barrett was part of a secret high school gang rape ring. I mean, you know, I don't think they're going to do that. But with Democrats, you never know. You never know, which is also why I think the president should announce right now. I think all the delay does is let Democrats gather random, emotionally disturbed people who once saw Amy Coney Barrett in high school and will now swear under oath she's a deep cover Vatican operative who's plotting to enslave all women. That's what I think. I don't think there's any good reason to hold a hearing over the nominee once President Trump has has said who it is. The Senate should vote. That's it. I, I don't see what the advantage is, and I think it should be Amy Coney. Right, I've seen Barbara Lagoa has also talked about uh, first-generation Cuban-American uh, down in Florida. Guys, the base wants ACB. She almost got the nod the last time around. I, I think that she'll, she'll be very solid on, on these issues, and th- that's, that's, I think, the move. I mean, look, I, I'm seeing people say, if you're just going for the best judge you can get, I mean, you could try, like, Miguel Estrada, Obviously, one of the he's one of the smartest legal minds in the country. You know, there there are some other options out there, but if you want to get this, if you want to get this done, uh, I think I think that having a, a woman at least take because they're going to say if you put a man forward, they will, w- without any doubt in my mind, they'll they'll try the Kavanaugh playbook all over again. They'll try the same thing. They'll say, oh, this person is a sexist, and they'll, they'll bring someone out who said, oh, he said something once that I didn't, or, you know, he, I was in uh, college, and he got drunk and tried to make out with me, and I didn't want it, so he's a rapist. It's like, wait, but he didn't even really touch you, you know, but that doesn't matter. They're going to come up with some lie, some horrible, disgusting lie about an email, you know, and they're, I'm trying to think of what it's going to be with a, with a female, what the approach will be. I, mean, I do think that the if it is Amy Coney Barrett, the anti-Catholic bigotry is going to be off the charts. I mean, it's just going to be you're going to see that Catholics who believe in Catholic doctrine uh, 
who really believe in it and aren't like Marxist and Roman collars walking around talking about how we should be open borders. A lot of Jesuits doing that, unfortunately. Uh, but but Catholics who really believe in the doctrine, um, especially about being pro-life, are uh, they're ridiculed by Democrats. The Democrats think those people are, are absurd. They think that they're, you know, silly papists or something. They don't think that that's acceptable. And so you will see uh, a lot of nastiness around that. But somehow Democrats are able to convince a lot of blue collar Catholics that the Democrat Party is for them. And I look at this and just say, uh, you know, that that's just a, a product of the media and, and people not knowing enough about politics, honestly. I don't think it's possible to be I don't think it's possible to be a believing Catholic and be a Democrat and really understand what the Democrat Party is all about. And I know that it's there are a lot of them. There are millions of them out there, but I don't, I don't understand what they think they're doing. I don't get it. And for people to say Marxism is charity. No, Marxism is the force of the state being used at the whim of an elite to redistribute, to take from you what is yours. You know, to take the wheat that you have gathered from your own field and give it to other people. And if you don't do it, they'll lock you in prison. That's Marxism. Marxism is not, oh, just give all to the poor and be nice to everybody. Mm-mm. No, that's not how it works. Uh, you know, if you want to be charitable, if you want to give as much as you want to give to people in need, God bless, go for it. Somebody else sticking a gun to your head saying you better give us this stuff or else. That's not charity. That's tyranny. And that's what Marxism is. That's what socialism is and the democrat party's redistribution of wealth initiatives that's what you're really talking about it's not it's not about being a good catholic but anyway i, I don't want to get too far down that that list um so i i think this is <laughs> strap in folks i didn't i didn't know this election could get any crazy. i really didn't you, you figure you got a a uh, in an election year like this you have the pandemic you have blm you got the economy in this precarious position, and now you're going to add this on top of things. And that's why you're going to see just so much overheated and stupid rhetoric. Be prepared for that. I mean, here's Amy Klobuchar taking a break from eating salads with a comb and throwing things at staff uh, staffers who work for her. I still think the eating the salad with a comb thing is like you brush your hair with a comb and you eat a salad with it. Here she is, play 18. All rules will be looked at. Everything matters here. But, Joy, I cannot emphasize enough um, that there are 45 days before an election. And it remains what we said the morning yesterday when we had our first early voting in Minnesota, when we saw Joe Biden do a terrific job, by the way, in Duluth, is that what matters is everyone votes and that we, the public's, pressure on Republicans is, to me, the most important thing right now. The Republicans who basically stole that seat the last time, and now they're trying to do it again, and the public must speak out. This love for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, in her own words, right, her fervent wish is that the next president pick. That was the last thing she said to the public. That was it. And so I think that we not only Respect the past, but we look to what she wanted in the future. And that's where we have to take our action. Stole the seat. Stealing a seat. All right, let's unpack this, shall we? That's that's sitting U.S. Senator Amy Klobuchar is a, a complete mediocrity. But unfortunately, if you're a Democrat mediocrity in a lot of flyover states, um, you're able to get elected because of the cities that will vote for you. And 
It's a shame, but uh, stole the seat. How did they steal it the last time with Merrick Garland? What, what was this? What was the theft there? Because Obama nominated Merrick Garland in an election year. In the Senate, Mitch McConnell said, sorry, we're not going to vote on it. But so the expectation was that that's what should happen. That was what Democrats were saying then. And you have all these clips now that are coming out of Democrats, including Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Democrats who were saying, no, no, in, in the past, you should be able to you should be able to fill the seat. Historically speaking, the seat has been filled most of the time, almost all of the time in an election year. So what's really the difference now? The difference is that Democrats want something. And then all their analysis, all their legal theories are built around what do they want? Not what is true, what is right, what is just. Is what do they want? Like a baby that wants a toy. All that matters is the desire. The justification, the rationalization flows from the desire. There's no, there's no external argument to be made about why it's right, why it's fair. Uh, steal the seat. How Stealing implies the breaking of a rule or a law to take something. And it also implies someone had ownership of it. Who who owned the seat that was supposed to go to America? Who who was the owner of that? Well, you know, the answer is the American people. It's not owned by the previous occupant. It's not owned by a political party. So that's the that's the wrong verbiage to use. But also in, in the mechanism then of keeping the seat open, how how is it stolen? What rule were what rule were Senate Republicans breaking by not? Uh, not going forward with a confirmation vote of Merrick Garland. The answer is there's no rule that they broke. There's no law that they even came close to breaking. So what I mean, this is we're getting to the point now where they're going to say, you know, if Trump wins reelection. Who cares who who actually got more votes in the Electoral College? That's we want something else. So that's all. They won't even make an argument. I mean, I know you got to start getting your mind in this place where you realize we're not we're dealing with with psychologically damaged people here. They can't understand living in a country where they're not getting the things that they want handed to them by a tight, a tight little circle of elites in power that they'll do anything to keep them there and then pretend that this is all about the will of the people and our you know, beautiful republic and all the rest of it. You're seeing the Democrat Party exposed in a way that you should never forget. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. How worried about any of this is President Trump? Well, here's what he says about what he'd do if they try to impeach him another time. Play 21. That'd be very threatening. And, you know, they even said that if I do it, they're going to impeach me. Well, they impeached me for a perfect phone call to say congratulations to the president of Ukraine. And then they said the call was different than that. They made up, Shifty Shift made up a call and he said horrible things. And everyone thought I made that call, but that wasn't it. Thank goodness it was transcribed perfectly. But, you know, that was, that was, uh, mm-hmm. and I guess we won with the Republican Party 197 to nothing in the House. And they did that. Uh, You know, they did that. So I heard yesterday, if I do it, if I do it, they're going to impeach me. So they're impeaching me for doing what constitutionally I have to do. Here's the thing. We have and I think then we win the election. Then we win all elections if they do that. I hope the president's right. I think he is. I think impeachment would just be would be too absurd. I mean, the Democrat base would love it and they'd go along with it. And you'd have all these legal experts going on TV saying, oh, this is 
in the grandest traditions of our democracy, an impeachment for a president doing what he's explicitly empowered and constitutionally mandated to do. There would be Democrats who would take that position. You, you know they would. You know that's what would happen. So let's, let's not even allow it to creep into our minds at all that that would be even a, a little bit surprising. Um, oh, but Hillary needs to uh, weigh in on this one, too. Play six, uh, 16. They made a new precedent. And that new precedent, which they all defended incredibly passionately, uh, is to wait for the next president, uh, whoever that is, uh, to make uh, the nomination. But as you clearly heard, uh, that is not what they are intending. And it's another blow to our institutions. Um, You know, what's happening in our country is incredibly uh, dangerous. Our institutions are being basically undermined by the lust uh, for power, power for personal gain in the case of the uh, president or power for institutional uh, gain in the case of Mitch McConnell at the cost of uh, ensuring that our institutions withstand whatever the political winds might be. Yeah. But they made this decision back in 2016 and they yeah. should be uh, held account for it. You know what decision should be uh, people should be held accountable for? When Harry Reid decided to get rid of the filibuster. Because they wanted what they wanted, and they wanted it then. And Mitch McConnell, to his credit, said, you may regret this sooner than you think. And he said, yeah, this, you're going you're gonna to rue the day when you decide that you're going to go nuclear option, Harry Reid. And we told them that. And like spoiled little children, the Democrats are like, no, we want it now. Because that's what they are. And that's what happened. They got rid of it. Now they got to deal with the consequences. And when they say the, the Scalia's, that, that's completely, what Hillary says, no surprise, hello, what Hillary says is nonsense. History, go back and look in history. It'll tell you that there have been plenty of nominations of judges in election years, and they were filled. Thanks for listening to the Bus, Sex, and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to move on to a horrific injustice that happened in, in Omaha involving uh, Black Lives Matter and a person defending himself from the, the riots of, of that group. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to get into that. And, and then also this this new uh, designation of, of New York and Seattle and uh, these other I think it's New York, Seattle. Oh, and Portland being designated as a riot free uh a riot free i'm sorry uh, an anarchy zone law free zone there we go i keep trying to pull up this uh there's a great piece on um on national review from a guy named dan mclaughlin and he lays out all of uh all of the different times Here you go. There's a long history of Supreme Court nominations at a presidential election year, even in lame duck sessions. When the Senate is from the same party, they almost always get confirmed. When the Senate is from the other party, the seat almost always gets held open. So the precedent, the real precedent here is, in fact, that the seat should be filled. Just look at history. But they simply do not care. 
They simply do not care. They will not change their tune on any of this one. They're just going to go forward with the same thing. Anyway, I'm just getting ready for it, folks. It's, it's, it's going to get it's going to get very, very ugly. It's going to get very nasty. Um, doesn't matter how weak their arguments are. Doesn't matter that they're contradictory. What matters to them is that they get what they uh, what they want here. Everything else is completely and utterly secondary to that. Um, oh, also, who would Biden put uh, forward as a Supreme Court nominee? Who, who would be Biden's people? Uh, Trump saying, why don't we know? Play 20. There are actually five I'm looking at. It's down to five. And uh, we're, you know, they're all, it could be any one of them. They'll all be great. These are really top people. To get on that list, you know, I created a list, and Biden should do that, too. He's got all radical left, major radical left players, that's why. And if he puts a uh, centrist in, somebody that really should be, somebody that's uh, uh, not so far left that uh, it would be a member of the AOC plus three crowd, uh, he will, uh, he's got a problem. If he he, uh, if he puts somebody on that is not going to be popular with a certain group of people, he, they will all run away from him like the plague. That's right. Trump knows that Biden, as much as they talk about how the Supreme Court shouldn't be political and it's an apolitical thing, it's, which is a lie. Uh, he knows that Biden can't put forward any kind of a centrist and anyone who's even a little bit reasonable. You're not going to get a Merrick Garland. And by the way, he's a liberal. He's just not a an obvious screaming neon sign oh my gosh i'll do anything to destroy the constitution kind of liberal but he's a liberal but they can't even put him forward it has to be someone who is remember ruth bader ginsburg was like the general counsel for the aclu ruth bader ginsburg was left wing folks left wing not a centrist not a moderate and so their expectation here is going to be that someone like that will have to replacer okay let's get to let's get to uh the latest here with would be oh no wait 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 there was a, one other thing it's so much here happened over the weekend because of this you had libs who were threatening riots if they don't get their way on this which is remarkable because the same people who have had their supporters and have been advocating for riots for months now that have been happening because of an 18th century franciscan priest statue or a columbus statue or you name it the same people that that have been rioting over all that are now saying do what we say or we're gonna riot well guess what we've kind of figured out that they're gonna riot no matter what they like to riot it's a part of democrat political culture now this, this is who they are this is how they do what they do and so with that you end up saying oh, oh, hold on a minute how can that even really be a threat now? I mean, it's it's just understood. I mean, we should just go through life assuming that we've all been promised by Democrats that there's going to be riots because there will be riots because that is not something that they self-police. It's not something that they uh, shout down and say their own supporters shouldn't do. But I just thought that was amazing. And you had this guy like Reza Aslan, who had his own show at CNN for a little while, and it's just a just a vicious nasty little lib uh fancies himself some great intellectual moron but you know there's there's a lot of that that goes on and and he said if they try to fill the seat we're going to burn the whole effing thing down or something like that and you look at this like what kind of maladjusted 
pathetic, uh, childish buffoon says something like that over a Supreme Court. We're going to burn it all. Have you ever heard me say, if we don't get our way, we should go burn something down or we should go destroy innocent people's businesses or we? Of course not. And if I did, I would hope that you would be like, ah, well, who kidnapped Buck? Like, what happened here? It's it's outrageous. But Democrats do this all the time. There were plenty of blue checks who, in the aftermath of the announcement of RBG's passing, were making explicit threats. I mean, psycho libs showed up at Mitch McConnell's home in D.C. screaming. And this is this is coercion. This is threats. This is like the, you know, the mafia showing up to your construction site and saying you're going to use our guys for your job and you're going to pay them 30 percent above market rate or else. And the or else isn't we're going to write a letter and show you how upset we are. It's we're going to break people's knees. We're going to snap fingers. That's how Democrats do. And then they turn around and say, we're not strong enough to fight these big, bad, mean Republicans. Just. It really Democrats. You understand a Democrat if you just take away reason and accountability to borrow from as good as it gets. That's all you have to do with to understand Democrats. Just eliminate. Think of a normal person and eliminate reason and accountability. And that's what that's what you're dealing with. Threatening riots, siege at McConnell's home. I mean, this stuff. Normal people don't do this. People with bright futures and who have a good grounding and morality and decency, they don't do these things. Democrat Party is full of psychopaths. It really is. It's kind of amazing how widespread it is. And we all just sit around and assume, oh, Democrats are upset. There's going to be lawlessness and violence and people are going to get hurt and there's going to be things burned down. Republicans, we're upset all the time. And we're like, okay, well, you know, that happened. Uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. That's our approach. We're the party of adults. The Democrats are the party of whiny crybabies. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Speaking of decency, maturity, respect, here is a completely unscripted moment involving this president, a president who is always trashed by the libs because he's you know, coarse or rough around the edges. But there's a fundamental decency to President Trump that people who are being honest and, and are and have some intuition and some ability to see people for who they are. I mean, this is a president who there are a lot of stories from his life about how when somebody was having a really bad time, he called them a lot. He checked in on them. You know, he's been a good friend to people. He he can be very sympathetic to people. Uh, I know he's a puncher and he, he doesn't take any crap, but but there is a there is a, an underlying decency to President Trump. That you and I know exists and his opponents, of course, always say it's not there. This is when he found out about Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death. Here's what here is. And this just happened. This was live on the air. Here's what President Trump said. Play 19. She just died. Wow. I didn't know that. I just uh, you're telling me now for the first time. She led an amazing life. What else can you say? She was an amazing woman. Whether you agreed or not, she was an amazing woman who led an amazing life. Um, actually, sad to hear that. I am sad to hear that. Thank you very much. Respectful, heartfelt, decent. And over the weekend, yeah, we, we had to talk about the politics 
of the in the aftermath of this. But, you know, I remember when Scalia died, there were blue checks who were celebrating, saying that, you know, he's going to be in hell. And, and they're horrible, horrible conservatives who have a voice, who, who matter in the conversation nationally, uh, conservatives who are supposed to be representing, you know, the, the opinions of the right. Nobody was saying vile things. No one with a, no one of any influence or importance to the movement. Nobody was saying vile things about RBG's passing. All right. She's a human being. She's a family. You know, we, I disagree with her on a lot of things. A lot of people disagree with her on a lot of things. It doesn't matter. You know, there, there's a basic human decency and respect when someone dies and is, you know, like this, someone dies of cancer. Guys, for any reason, you just think, OK, well, you know, we're all going to that same place. And you you just take a, you take a moment back to remember this is a human being, a person with feelings, you know, love, friends, family. And, and our side does that. And the other side just doesn't. I remember what they were saying when Scalia passed. And it's notable to me. And you should remember it, too, because there's not a moral equivalency or equivalency here on how we respond to these things. All right. All right let's get it. Let's get into B. L M and and the latest stuff uh, that's going on here. Uh, for one thing, you know the Democrats have started to sound a little more law and order, but they can't walk away from BLM entirely. Here is Kamala Harris, and is she going to be the stealth president? In a sense, I mean, I'm hearing all kinds of from people that. Have pretty good sources, crazy rumors about what the plan is if Biden wins and how they're, they're just doing everything they can to keep this keep the succession plan quiet. And, and ha- but anyway, I don't it, you know, a lot of it's conspiracy and rumor right now, but I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it from people who know stuff. So that always puts you a little bit on edge. You go, OK, well, that's not somebody that's usually taken in by just rumors on the Internet. And they claim they have sources close to the Biden campaign. In the Biden campaign, even. Uh, But I'll get to that another day. You know, you have Harris saying that BLM is, well, here's what she says, 13. We really ought to know the power that we have in every place and never decide that any one place is excluded from us being there to get the kind of change we want. Right. Mm -hmm. So I make the decision to go up the rough side of the mountain, to go inside the system. Mm -hmm. Um, And and, but there but, you know, I also understand, you know, the brilliance of being outside of the system when you have the, the brilliance of Black Lives Matter and that movement and what it has done to force change. The brilliance of Black Lives Matter. And what it has done to force change. Okay. What has it done to force change? What, what, what change? Oh, that, that's a word that makes people feel so good on the left. Like hope and change, right? What change has come as a result of Black Lives Matter? Other than raised insurance premiums for a whole lot of small businesses in American cities. What, what change has Black Lives Matter brought about? They were allowed to ask that. Can, can someone just point out to me? The big strides for the black community and for community police relations that have been made as a result of Black Lives Matter. Does, does anyone even want to try to give me the, the data, the, the supporting documentation for this claim? No, of course, because there is none. BLM is about anger, resentment, rage and power. That's it. Doesn't make people safer. Doesn't make people happier. Doesn't make them better. It's not it's not improving any aspect of life in this country for anyone. And yet, because of all of our sensitivities about racial issues, because of the history of this country, which did have slavery and 
and odious oppression for far too long as part of this country, not in fact the founding ethos of the country, despite what the 1619 Project says. Uh, but here we are now in the, the freest, fairest, most prosperous nation in the world. And there's a movement that really wants to institute a kind of radical Marxism to divide us and to turn us against each other for the benefit of elites who will rule over us. I, I don't think that's a good idea for anybody. But Kamala Harris knows that if she wants to win this election or if she and Biden are going to win this election, they have to do everything they can to pander to the Democrat base. And that includes the, the this make believe nonsense that BLM is is good for people, make things makes things um, better for all of us in America uh, or at least makes things better for anyone. I, I would argue it doesn't help anybody at all. I'm also pleased to see the DOJ has identified New York City. Portland and Seattle has, quote, local uh, local governments that are permitting anarchy, violence and destruction in American cities. According to FoxNews.com, it's a move that comes as the federal government continues to take a tough stance against localized rioting in some areas of the country. President Trump earlier this month targeted those three cities in a memo that Attorney General William Barr and the Office of Management and Budget asking for a review of federal funding to anarchist jurisdictions. The DOJ memo Monday essentially served as notice to New York City, Portland and Seattle to meet the Trump criteria. Oh, rather that they meet the criteria Trump set out for potential defunding. It's unclear whether and how much funding may eventually be withdrawn from cities. And if such a move would be legal, it'll be challenged in the courts. But look, they're just saying it and they're absolutely right. There should be consequences for abandoning law and order in these cities. There should be consequences for the two-tiered system of justice, one for left-wing activists who want to break laws and act like maniacs, and, an, and another for uh, people who aren't given that special protection. That's wrong. This, this should not have been allowed to happen as long as it is, and the federal government taking action is a good thing. You know, people have constitutional rights, even in cities, the federal government is supposed to be able to protect your constitutional rights, even in blue Democrat cities. There, there's not some uh, free from the Constitution zone, or at least there's not supposed to be anywhere on, on U.S. soil. So I'm, I'm pleased to see that, that there's some action being taken here. And I know people have, people have been reaching out to me a lot saying, Buck, you look like you're right about the bar thing, the bar probe. It's not even we're not even going to see it before the election. And it's feeling like it's going to be toothless. Folks, one of the reasons I hope you enjoy listening to the show is on the big stuff, I'm mostly right, mostly all the time. And I, I think my bar prediction, because when people are, oh, there's a bar, he's a, a dogged prosecutor, he's going to bring justice and all this great stuff. Some people were saying that because I think they believed it's what their audiences wanted to hear. I respect and love this audience far too much to ever say something just because I think some percentage of it wants to hear something i always tell you what i think is the truth and i know i know you respect that i think the bar probe is going nowheresville fast friends that's what i see happening thanks for listening to the bus sex and show podcast remember to subscribe on apple podcast the iheart radio app or wherever you get your podcasts i want to tell you a story that you probably won't hear from the national news media but it's one that you need to know it involves uh, BLM, the politics around it, the pandering to the vicious mob that's going on across the country. I, mean, I know we have 
a a fantastic radio station in KFAB, Omaha, Nebraska. And this is a story that takes place in Omaha. And it could happen anywhere in the country. It is happening all over the country. We've seen something somewhat similar, though nobody was killed in St. Louis when a person tried to stand up, a husband and wife uh, tried to stand up for their safety, the security of their homes, and were lawful gun owners. All of a sudden, the state turned on them because there are people who have the power of the state that they're supposed to use to protect the law abiding that would prefer to be on the side of the vengeful, rageful, spittle mouth, profane, crazy mob. Right. That's what we see happening. The. uh, The abdication of responsibility to enforce the law irrespective of what the political needs of any one person one politician may be in the moment and the removal of second amendment self-defense rights that comes along with it and uh, this is this cannot be allowed to stand this is appalling so here's what happened Uh, last week a grand jury in omaha nebraska indicted a white bar owner named jake gardner who shot a black man during protests for, quote, this is according to NPR, racial justice, end quote, in May. So there's video of this, and I watched the video. There is a disagreement outside this guy's bar. There's a mob outside screaming their usual threats. And somebody says this guy, Jake Gardner, the white guy here, has a gun. And 22-year-old James Skurlock, who is black, uh, Attacked him. Caused an altercation. Put hands on him. You know, uh, try to wrestle him to the ground. And Gardner shot Skurlock. Now, I, I don't know how much more straightforward this stuff can be. If somebody has a firearm and you know they have a firearm, even if they don't, but especially if you know someone has a gun and then your decision is I'm going to try to attack this person physically They're going to be thinking, one, I don't want to get attacked. And two, if they knock me out or they just manage to get my firearm, I'm dead. So if you attack a person with a gun without cause and that person shoots you, that is self-defense. That is morally justified and legally justified. This is a this is a a a bedrock principle. I mean, this is a foundational in our society. You're right to defend yourself is not subject to, should not be subject to the whims of politicians who have to appeal to a crowd, a mob of crybabies. Right? That's not the way this is supposed to work. So initially, they reviewed the video footage, this video outside the bar, and the Douglas County District Attorney Don Klein said that this was self-defense and released Gardner from custody. So... The district attorney said, yeah, I saw the video, guys. This is self-defense, which it clearly, it clearly is. All right. Ah, But you see, Jake Gardner is a, I believe, a former Marine and a white Trump supporter. And James Skurlock is a black BLM supporter. And the mob does not accept this as an outcome. They do not accept this. So they continued to protest, to organize, to create political pressure. And then the D.A., Don Klein, uh, appointed 
a special prosecutor to review the case. This guy brought in. This is the Pontius Pilate move, right? All right, I'm just going to hand it to somebody else. In that case, hand it to the crowd that called for Barabbas, right? This, this is what you see happening here. What a coward. And hat tip Ann Coulter for raising this story to national prominence by tweeting out about it yesterday. But w- what a coward um, you see from this guy Klein putting this in the hands of a special prosecutor, then put it before a grand jury. The, the special prosecutor did. Frederick Franklin. They charged Gardner with four counts, manslaughter, attempted first degree assault, terroristic threats and use of a firearm in connection with a felony. He faced he faced 95 years in prison for this. 95 years. It's a very long time now. If he had pleaded, he might have gotten. But this guy, you know, if he pleaded, maybe it would have been a dramatic. It would have been much less. But here's the problem with pleading. He didn't do anything wrong. All right. I watched the video. I read the accounts, the eyewitness accounts. BLM protesters all all, you know, flush with their power, all excited that people have to quake in fear at the very thought of them marching outside their property. We want justice, you know. Uh, these these BLM protesters, I swear, you know, what they should want is uh, some discipline, uh, a good paying job and to read a book. But instead, what they want is to threaten people and to form mobs outside their businesses and burn them down and do all these things. Uh, so th- this is a, a clear cut case of self-defense on video. And you would think that we could all be on the same page about how self-defense is a natural law, right? That this is this is is critical to our understanding of of living in a in a civilized society that you're allowed to defend yourself. And uh, James James Scurlock, look, James Scurlock uh, was shot and that was justified. It was justified what he did. It's on video. You can see it. If someone did that to me, I would shoot them, too. And that was what the initial District attorney, whose only job is to determine whether there's guilt, whether there's a need to bring a case. That was the initial district attorney finding here that there should not be any any criminal charges. And then the politics turned and then it became untenable. You see, the mob wanted a scalp. The mob wanted a scalp. You have a white Trump supporter shoots a black BLM supporter. Not allowed. Not allowed. Mob can't let that fly. So they demand what they call justice. What they really want is is mob justice, which is no justice at all. It's just whatever the angry people making the most noise, making the most threats on the street want at any given moment. That's not justice. Well, tragically, Jake Gardner uh, was found over the weekend about 20 miles from Portland, Oregon, dead. He killed himself because he knew that he could not trust the state. He knew that he could not trust his own government in Nebraska, they, they could not trust that the system would do what was right because there's so much cowardice out there right now. People are just so afraid, not only of being called racist, they're afraid of not being liked by the people that run around calling everybody racist. You know, the mob formed outside Klein's home in, in Omaha. They went right for him and they pressured him. And he gave in. He caved. There's no need to assign a special prosecutor to review this. He just wanted to hand it to somebody else 
who wanted to help get the scalp here. Maybe, uh, you know, help his political aspirations down the line. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, it's and it's it's just tragic. It's wrong. Jake Gardner's life mattered. And the government let him down. The state of Nebraska let him down. And this is the country that we live in now where the mob is allowed to threaten you and even physically attack you. And if you have a problem with that, if you take any action to defend you, never mind expecting that the police will intervene. Never mind expecting that the state itself will do what is necessary to protect you and your family and your property. No. If you take that into your own hands, which is your God-given right, a right not even given by the state, then your own government will turn on you. These are dark days, friends. This is something I'm not sure I ever, I ever thought we'd, we'd have to go through as a country. Self-defense not allowed. You know, you see the situation in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, where that young man, Rittenhouse, now I, I've said it and I stand behind it. I wish he hadn't showed up at that protest. He, he was in over his head, but doesn't change anything about him defending himself. Guy had a gun in his hand and attacked him. If you attack me with a gun in my hand, I'm going to shoot that person. I'm not going to feel bad. I'm not going to lose a night's sleep. I'm not going to feel bad about it either. You attack somebody with a gun and you get shot. That's on you. This is very basic. This is very straightforward. But in this country right now, you are told that you better obey the demands of the mob. You better live in fear. You better bend the knee. You know, I saw over the weekend more video of of these roadblocks like insurgents do in countries. They set up these roadblocks and they make people on video hold their fist up and say black lives matter. Can you imagine if MAGA hat wearing Trump supporters were setting up roadblocks and that demanding people either bend the knee or hold up a fist and say the prescribed slogan of their political movement? Can, can you imagine what the responsibility of Democrats wouldn't just call for the National Guard? They'd want, you know, Nancy Pelosi would be on the floor of Congress saying, let's bring back napalm, forget the Geneva Convention. And we know this. We, we know the double standard is so powerful that you choke on it when you think about it. You think, how could how could this be? But this case of Jake Gardner in uh, Omaha, this one will stay with us for a while. You're not allowed to defend yourself, folks. Those of you who say, Buck, get out of New York City, get to a place, really? Nebraska's a red state, my friends. The state of Nebraska failed this man, took away his God-given rights, and now he took away his own life. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Just want to give a shout out and a big thanks to uh, our newest affiliate to add the Buck Sexton show KNRS in Salt Lake City, a fantastic heritage radio station and great that we'll be able to uh, grow Team Buck in Utah and out in the Salt Lake area. So really, really excited about this. Thank you so much for adding the Buck Sexton show and uh, the KNRS listeners out there. Welcome to the fam, my friends. I'm, I'm hoping and I'm, I'm believing this will become your, your favorite new show, perhaps even your favorite radio show, if I do my job right. Thank you so much. All right, now we get into Biden. What's going on with him these days? 
I, I told you I've been hearing these crazy rumors. I, I hear all this stuff about how Joe Biden is, you know, taking some kind of regimen to get him up and ready to do these events that the guy is so he's so tired. He's just so fatigued. He's, guys, he's almost 80. We're going to be electing an almost 80 year old president. If it wasn't for the Trump derangement syndrome of the libs, they would all say this is absurd. The whole thing is absurd. And that's why it's almost getting boring, although I feel like we, we, we can't stop doing it. But it's it's just become expected that he's going to say things now like this. Play 24. But they should be. It's estimated that 200 million people have died probably by the time I finish this talk. But the complication of COVID-19, like lung scarring and heart damage, could become the next deniable pre-existing condition for over 6 million Americans. 200 million Americans will die from COVID by the time he finishes his speech, he says. Now, now that's the kind of thing where you, if you said that, and you had any grasp on what the real numbers are, and, and you were really with it, you would immediately correct yourself. Did you hear him immediately correct himself? So two out of three Americans could be dead of COVID by the time he finished his speech. The good news for all of us, I can tell you, is that uh, he turned out to be wrong on that one. Every day now, another thing that he says where he seems a little bit out of it. Every day now, another Biden moment that the media has to be the clean the cleanup crew for him. And they're completely willing to do it. They're, they're not going to stop. They're not going to slow this down at all. In fact, a- AOC is out there leading the charge for everyone telling them on the left. Look, you know, this is this is do or die for Democrats. So you got to make sure Trump doesn't win so that our democracy can live another day. Play 12. I understand why people say I don't vote. What's the point? I I I really empathize with it. I'm not here to dismiss you. I'm not here to poo-poo you. I'm not here to say you're wrong or that you're a bad person. What I'm here to say is that this year, this election, voting for someone, voting for Joe Biden is not about whether you agree with him. It's a vote to let our democracy live another day. That's what this is about. We need to act in solidarity and protection for the most vulnerable people in our society who have already experienced the violent repercussions of this administration. Why is it in solidarity to live another day? What exactly about Trump is destroying democracy? They they say this stuff. I'm actually curious. Like, I I, want to know. Because if somebody offered me money to come up, I mean, I, I could make some guesses, but how, how is the sitting president who won a Democrat, uh, democratically run election in 2016, uh, you know, free and fair democratic election, then winning another free and fair democratic election in 2020, a threat to democracy? Do, do they even have a, a pretend answer for any of this? Do they want to offer up anything at all? Or they're just going to say it. They just say this stuff and we're all supposed to uh, we're all supposed to go along with it. It's. It's madness, friends. Utterly madness. But no surprise there. And, and remember, they're, they're having uh, they're, they're not planning to accept the results of this election either. 
So while they're telling us about how a Trump victory would undermine our democracy, they're actively planning to undermine our democracy in the event of a Trump victory. And, you know, the same you see this, there's a pattern here, right? The same way that they will say it's, it's undermining our norms if Trump fills the Supreme Court vacancy. And if Trump support uh, if Trump fills the Supreme Court vacancy, we will undermine norms as their threat. Right. We'll, we'll pack the court. We'll do this stuff. And they're, they're even still pretending that uh, Stacey Abrams, the make believe governor of Georgia, actually won her election. Here's Kamala Harris. Play 14. People have to also sit back. Black folks in particular have to sit back and ask a question, which is why are so many people trying to make it so difficult for us to vote? Putting in place rules like what they've done in Georgia, because otherwise Stacey Abrams will be governor. Stacey Abrams, right? Ah, that's one of their favorite things about the Stacey Abrams situation. They appeal to the base by telling this make-believe story that Stacey Abrams actually won an election that she lost. But they, they won't relent on this. They won't give it up. They, they won't stop pretending that Stacey Abrams won because they, they view this as a data point in their overall theory that Donald Trump is going to cheat in this election. And if he wins, they're going to say that he cheated. So what's going to happen, folks. That's the plan. Trust me, I'm seeing it right now. They will not accept it on election night. They will not accept a Trump win, no matter what they have to say or do. What's that going to do to the country? I, I wish I could even tell you. Just keep your shields high, friends. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get, get spicy out there. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll tell you, these hangers are great. Remember this, it's a friendly protest. Please remember, this is not a rally. You're not allowed to have political rallies of any kind. You're not allowed to go to church. You're not allowed to do anything. The only thing you're allowed to do is run wild through the streets, burn down storefronts, blow up stores and kill people because that's considered a protest. And that they allow you to have. You don't have to wear masks at protests. So I said, you know, we can't have a rally. The most we can have is 10 people. But why don't we just go to protest? Because this is a protest. It's a protest against stupidity. Indeed it is. I like that the president holds the other side accountable for the nonsense and the double standards and the lies. So I just wanted to play that one for you. It, it is. I, I think a vote for Trump is actually a protest against stupidity. It's, it's a protest against lawlessness. It's a protest against disorder, uh, against anarchy against viciousness. So that's how I view a vote for Trump in this election cycle. Let's do roll call. Team Buck, it's time for roll call. Roll call, everybody. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. And uh, there you go. Let's get right to it. Uh, We got uh, Al coming up first here. Good show today. Had an LOL moment while driving when you played the clip of Nancy saying they were the party of law and order. We almost simultaneously said, yeah, right. Press on, brother. Um, Yeah, Al, you know, Nancy Pelosi says we're the party of law and order. You know, I tell my servants all the time, let's keep it orderly in the garden when you're 
trimming the hedges. You know, she's Chardonnay socialist Nancy really cares a lot about keeping the loonies in line. We all know that's a lie. But she's got to say what she's got to say now because we see the polls have turned on those libs, turned on those Democrats. It's making things rough for them. Oh, well, too bad. Stinks for them. Leland, first time listening to your show. Excellent. Where have you been? Well, Leland, I would ask you the same question. Where have you been? We would wish you had been the Freedom Hut all along, but welcome. A big welcome to you, and thank you so much for joining the team. You have my vote for president. I just turned 60 and seen enough to realize the direction our country's heading in. Uh, in fact, I, see this, I saw this coming more than 30 years ago. I was once that liberal who believed America was the evil machine. We're not perfect, but now I realize there's no other place in this world I'd rather live. Well, Leland, you are a very wise person, whether you're uh, 60 years young or whatever. doesn't matter. You're a very wise person. So you love this show and you understand what's going on with our country and with this republic. And that this is our, our last great hope and lots of other important things to be said about that. Uh, but thank you. W- welcome. I-, I wish you had told us, though. Let us know how you found the show. That's one other thing, too. If you're new to the if you're new to Team Buck, please do let us know. Oh, and go to BuckSextonBook.com. I got my book there, The Socialism Survival Guide. Uh, sign up and, and it's through Stansbury Research. You'll see. Just go to the site. It'll walk you through. You've got a copy of the book. BuckSextonBook.com. Uh, as for... Oh, gosh, I forgot what I was saying. Oh, yeah. If you're new to the team, please do let us know how you found out about us, because we want to make sure we're maximizing our ability to get the word out there about all things Team Buck. And uh, we, we also want producer Mark to have even more homework than he currently does. Right, Mark? Yes, Mark's nothing I wife. love more than homer, homework. This, you know, he's got a new wife. There's he, he doesn't need sports or time with the wife or anything. He just wants to do more homework for the show. So. Oh, yeah. I would prefer to work 24-7. I don't even want to sleep. Yeah, I know. But, you know, unfortunately, guys, sometimes, sometimes he's got to actually get rest, eat food, things like that. Jim, Shields High, I want to drop you some praise for one of your key sponsors, Pure Talk USA. I'm only using the $20 plan because my Moto Z doesn't enable me to use the hotspot, but tech support was honest, told me this might happen. Tech support with Pure Talk USA is almost as great. As a three-hour Buck Sexton show, Ron, on the iHeartRadio Endless Loop. Everybody who listens should try it. They'll never look back at their old carrier again. Jim, thanks so much for the shout-out for Pure Talk. Look, we have, Pure Talk is one of them. We have great sponsors on this show with excellent products, really well-priced, very convenient, top customer service. You know, we, uh, we, we, only, we only work with companies that we're really proud to work with. That's one of the promises of the show. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll not say what it is because, you know, whatever you had a relationship. But I remember years ago, we had a sponsor. We tried them out. I got some I got some complaints from some members of Team Buck that they didn't really like the product and they didn't really feel like it was. And I, I told uh, I told our team, I said, guys, we're not uh, our sales team. I said, we're not going to keep working with them. You know, that's they can that, that we can't have that. You know what I mean? And well, look, it wasn't there was a. Uh, Let's just say that people felt like one of the, this was this was now going back many years, but they felt like one of the uh, products was not meeting their expectations. Anyway, I'm just saying we only work with companies that we are really proud of and that we know give great products to our audience. And uh, that's that's our that's our promise to all of you. Uh, Terrence Shields, hi, Buck, with the passing of RGB uh, or RBG. 
It's RBG, not RGB, but it's close enough, Terrence. Contrary to Cocaine Mitch's initiative, Trump should go all in and say he will not nominate a successor unless reelected. This will do two things. It will energize not only his base, but all the rights at uh, Supreme Court protectionists that held their noses and voted from the first election. Secondly, it will once and for all take the wind out of the left's He's a tyrant tirade completely out of their sails. The left is expecting a ramrod approach and Mitch has all but confirmed that strategy. I say it's time to do the unexpected and put them on their heels. I'm interested in your take on this strategy. Terrence, I like that you're thinking outside the box, but I think it would be better to stay inside the box on this one. And here's why I understand what you're saying. You think that it will motivate people to come out and vote for Trump a lot if he says he's waiting till uh, after the election. But a lot of people would take that as an abdication, right, that that he has promised to do this when he can do it. And a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. By the way, Snow Princess yesterday had a this is a total di- di- digression, but I was walking with her on the street and a bird flew into her hand, basically. I mean, it flew right in front of her, and then it hopped into her hand when she bent down. And my dad, who's a, a, a bird, you know, amateur bird expert, said it's a female scarlet tanager. And I actually have a photo of it hang, sitting in her hand. It's a little, it's a, and it turns out it's a little songbird, and it looked like it maybe it was having a little bit of trouble with one of its wings, but it, it uh, yeah, it flew into Snow Princess's hand. It was pretty amazing. I got photos of it. Uh, so bird in the hand, two in the bush. That's why I was thinking about that. As for Supreme Court justices, y- you can't play games with this. This is somebody who's going to sit on the bench for 30, 30 years, maybe. Uh, so this is not the time to get cute. And Terrence, anyone who's going to vote for Trump because of this pick is going to vote for Trump uh, anyway. So I don't think you really increase base turnout by saying you're going to wait. In fact, people might take that as being wimpy and trying to get out of getting it done. So I, I appreciate your thinking on this, Terrence, and I know you're trying to be contrarian from the status quo, but I think I'm, I feel very strongly it's uh, we, we should have named we should have named this person or Trump should have named the Supreme Court pick today and McConnell should schedule a vote forthwith. All we do by delaying is let them come up with more strategies and, and plot more shenanigans and have the media tell more lies. There is no benefit to waiting. None. Zero. In my mind. And we should go full court press. And, and I have I mean, I, I think people need to understand this, too. I'm among those who, in a sense, was radicalized by the Kavanaugh hearings. I mean, the Kavanaugh hearing was a change in my political thinking where where it went from we need to fight hard to defeat this side to. We need to do whatever is necessary and within our within our scope of morality to beat this side. Like we, we need to be willing to view this as a steel cage match. This is not time for delicacies and niceties. And I, I think the Kavanaugh hearing really proved that to a lot of us, that if you allow these Democrats to do what they're going to do, they will they will ruin a man in front of his family. They'll ruin his reputation They'll psychologically torture and destroy him. They will mutilate his character for the amusement of psychotic libs and people who are desperate to have their pick on the Supreme Court. As if it's some part of their own personal identity. It's it's appalling, but this is really this is really where it all is. So we will have to continue to watch this very closely. That that much is for sure. 
You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. More roll call. Abe. Buck, graduating in the mid-90s, I couldn't agree with you more about the movie Braveheart being one of the best. Well, thank you so much. Braveheart is one of the greatest movies of all time. I think it is the, it's my favorite. I won't say it's the greatest movie. It's my favorite movie. It's my favorite movie. Producer Mark, I respect you much, but disagree about the Beatles being dubbed as one of the greatest rock bands ever. No doubt they did have great success as a band. However, at the time, I believe Judas, uh, I believe Zeppelin and Judas Priest better qualify as rock. Bruce and Mark, do you have a response? I think rock, the definition of rock is a, a wide ranging nowadays. Have you seen the people get that get nominated to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Uh, I think you're right, but I'm just wondering who do you have in mind for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? That's a wide. I mean, I don't know if the top of what didn't Kiss get put in. I know there was a big debate over that. Um, that's rock and roll, isn't it? That's where the Beastie Boys are in there. That can the argument can be made. That's hmm. not rock and roll. Is the Beastie Boys rock and roll? I mean, they were rappers, but they also had a very heavy rock background to their tracks. So, I mean, I suppose Kid Rock is rock and roll because there is rock, in fact, in the name. Uh, I mean, he's more country, but there's, I believe there's country artists in there now. So I, I think the, the term rock, it should really be called the Music Hall of Fame if we're really getting technical. But, I mean, come on. I don't know why all the Beatles hate on this show. Hmm. It's mostly from you. Well, yeah, I mean, if you listen to the White Album and you tell me that there aren't a bunch of songs in there that suck and make you want to rip out your own eardrums, I mean, you're just not telling me the truth, so that's why. Okay. I mean, you are just yeah, I know. ridiculous. I know. I keep it real. Sometimes I think you're anti-American. Uh, I, I do like soccer and, uh, and live in Manhattan, so there's, some, there's definitely uh, some yeah. stuff. I know. It's some real commie stuff about me. Alice, Buck, I went on a horseback tour yesterday. There were two couples from out of state. Plus my daughter and me, Vermonters. Everyone other than us was masked up for the pre-ride. Then the Mass- Massachusetts and New Hampshire folks opined on why Vermont is the best with COVID because we follow the rules. Ugh, I want to laugh, but I explained it's our lifestyle. They tried to tell us it'll be worse when we are shut in, in the winter. I gave up and joked about my drafty ancient farmhouse. I really think this has to end. Riding a horse in the woods in a mask? Yes, one man actually did that. People have gone nuts. Alice, I agree. People have gone nuts. I don't know what else to say. I mean, in my building, if you if you walk even outside of the building in the open air without a mask on right now, people give you really dirty looks and get like really upset about this. And look at them like, just, you know, don't make out with me. I don't know. Well, what is your problem? Like, you're not going to, you know, I'm not sick. The whole, the whole thing is just, it's just absurd. And notice how at every stage, it's like it's been engineered for maximum control over all of us, right? At every stage, it's, oh, you know, we think that there's a huge number of asymptomatic people out there. Oh, asymptomatic people are just as infective or just as infectious as, uh, you know, some people with really bad symptoms. It's just somehow we're, we're, if we don't just start saying enough is enough, we're just going to be on this in this little tyranny of idiocy forever. But I, I think a lot of people like it. They like it. Brett writes, Buck, I just saw you on Fox. Do you and Tucker have the same barber? If you were to shave or Tucker to grow a beard, I'm not sure we could tell you apart. Well, Brett, you're not the only one who's ever confused me with Tuck, especially back in the day when I didn't have a beard. Uh, We don't have the same barber. We have similar hair. Mine, perhaps a little thicker and more luxurious. But we do have a, a similar look. I think we probably have the same 
uh, ethnic, uh, you know, mix of Irish, English, and Scottish in our backgrounds and, and the whole thing. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, but, yeah, I, I was thinking about shaving, but uh, I don't know. Snow Princess says the beard is, I don't know. I, I, the, the, the ladies are always pro beard. I've, I've had very few of the Team Buck ladies or just ladies in life in general that I know who, you know, I, I think there was one since I've had a beard. I had one female friend who was like, why are you hiding your face under that? And then everyone else was pro beard. All the ladies, at least the guys like to make fun of the beard because I'm young looking and it's patchy and all the rest of it. But uh, guys, I got news for you. I don't care what you think. <laughs> your, your opinions on the matter. Unimportant to me. Unimportant to me. My opinion matters and I'm not changing all the logos again. So you're keeping the beard. There you go. Kyle writes, Buck, you don't seem like the Harry Potter type, but I'm well versed because my wife is a huge fan. Anyways, the ways the libs are acting with RBG passing away is about the same as Voldemort would when one of his horcruxes, which is a piece of his soul imprinted on an inanimate object to protect him from death, was destroyed. Any perceived challenge to Roe versus Wade is a threat to destroying a piece of their soul. A sick thing to latch one's identity to, but that's why Voldemort and the libs are the bad guys, I guess. Um... I, 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 don't, I haven't read the Harry Potter book. Bruce Mark, you have, right? Yes. Uh, well, basically, whenever uh, Harry or somebody destroys a Horcrux, uh, Voldemort, like, kind of, it looks like he's dying, like he acts like he's in pain, kind of like that, like a piece of his soul died. Oh, okay. I get you. All right. Um, David. Hey, Buck. I recently had to take a hiatus from politics, but I'm back now and just listening to you. My question is, do you think the Middle East peace deals could end if the Libs get control of Washington? Just want to know your thoughts on that. Shields high, brother. Uh, David, I don't think so, because these deals, there's no reason for them not to be signed. I mean, there's no there's no there's no downside from our perspective. So I don't really see that as as being a, a real concern. But, you know, with Libs, you never really, you know, they, they might just undo things to undo stuff that Trump did out of spite. And that may include at some level these uh, these international negotiations that are going on. I'm just waiting for Lib media. If the Saudis do have a formal uh, diplomatic recognition of Israel, which would be a seismic event in the Middle East. I'm just waiting for the Libs to say that, oh, well, that's not a big deal. They'll say anything just like they will about the Supreme Court fight right now. Friends. Please spread the word about the show. Pass the buck. Tell people far and wide to listen, especially as we're in the, the real height of this election season. We're going to need each other, Freds, because it's going to be quite a fight ahead of us. So get your rest. Shields high.